Barbara. I'm Chris. And I'm Jackson, and this is Will Hunley. <laughs> We're so excited to be worshiping with you um, today. Whether see, that's virtually. This is sanitizer. Whether that's virtually or in person. Uh, Christ Church is a huge part of our lives for over 10 years. I've been part of MOPS since he was alive. He started his school career at the preschool. And we feel so much love and support from this community all the time. And we're so appreciative of that. Uh, everyone enjoy today's worship. And let's worship together. Let's worship together, everyone. I hope you have a good day. Bye-bye. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome. If you're here in the room with us, I invite you to stand up and wherever you are here in the room or online, welcome. We're going to start with a little bit of worship together this morning. You have come, you have come. we have found life everlasting. I would like to know your freedom, never ending. You alone have made a way for us in your love. You are life, I'm living in the light of my Savior, dancing in the arms of forever, singing like I'm walking on water. Skies living cover, you have called us in your life, the light uncovered, the world you've seen now. You alone have made a way for us in your love. You are life, I'm living in the light of my Savior. Dancing in the arms of forever Singing like I'm walking on water Give my life alive in me I give my life to follow Your love is all I want now Give my life Give my life alive in me For all the world to find your love For all the world to see That you are God Forever be lifted high Says the one who holds The one who holds the universe And every beating heart Across the earth Jesus be lifted high you are life, I'm living in the light of my Savior Dancing in the arms of forever I'm singing like I'm walking on water You are life, alive in me I give my life to follow Your love is all I want now You are life you are life, alive in 
darkness runs for cover When you move, no one's turned away Where you are, she turns into praises. Where you are, no hearts left unchanged. So come move, so come move. Let justice roll on like a river. Turn into revival Lord, lead us back to you When you move The outcast finds a family When you move The orphan finds a home You're a Father, that's the truth. 
that when you move, everything changes. That every song that we would sing, every word we could speak, every action we could take, it's in response to you, God. So we ask you, humbly, Lord, come move. Move among us, move in our hearts. Wherever we are this morning, wherever we are physically, wherever we are emotionally, wherever we are spiritually, God, we open ourselves up and ask that you would move, that you would take us just a little bit further, a little bit closer to who you are and who you made us to be, God. We're grateful for you. And we sing these songs and pray these words in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Tony. And you are welcome to be seated. I just want to say a very warm welcome on top of all that's been said today to all of you that are joining us for worship today. I know that uh, we're coming from many different parts of the community, from homes and uh, maybe even from vacation homes. Uh, Perhaps you're out in a coffee shop someplace. Wherever you happen to be, I'm just thrilled that we're connected to one another through the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, today I want to welcome also uh, some people that are actually seated live right here in our auditorium today as we are beginning to test, oh I love that, beginning to test the the protocols that we're going to use to be able to welcome back an even larger number of those of you who may feel ready to return to public worship in person uh, on September the 13th. Uh, We know that that is going to be a personal choice for everybody, and you are surely welcome to continue to worship right from the comfort of your own couch if you so choose. Uh, But but starting September 13th, we are really excited uh, to see those who feel ready and uh, those who will be allowed by our state at that time uh, to come and be part of worship on both of our campuses. And so we're in this soft launch period, and I'm really grateful to those of you who are taking the time to be with us here in the physical space today. I also want to let you know that if you're interested in learning more about what we're planning for this fall season, you can get information through our weekly update. And if you go uh, to that email update, uh, you'll find a regular posting of how things are are available to you. Uh, You can also uh, request uh, subscription to that update by going online to the church's website. Uh, You'll find there also uh, a news of an upcoming uh, town hall meeting, an online town hall that we're going to hold on September uh, the 2nd and share many more uh, announcements about what's coming up for this fall season. Uh, So do uh, check in with us, um, keep up to date with what's going on on the website and we'll keep you informed about opportunities available to you. I know that it is no uh, secret to any of us uh, that the COVID season has tested us and challenged us in ways that we had not anticipated. But I think it's also the truth that for people who were already living on the financial edge, uh, this season has pushed many of them right over that edge. If they were struggling to pay rent uh, before, if they were just living close to the line, then the loss of part-time jobs or full-time employment has been absolutely devastating. And we know that hunger has become one of the most pressing concerns for many households across our region during this season. We have tried uh, to be part of helping, a helpful creative response to that. And through the uh, food and donations uh, that we have been making, through the supply drives that we've been mounting over these past months, we have been able uh, to help provide something of a lifeline to many of these families. 
One of the people that I know who's been most passionate about this uh, is a woman named Bobby. Bobby is in her 70s, and for some 10 years now, she has been one of the most faithful, regular volunteers at the Christ Church uh, Monthly Food Pantry. And Bobby is passionate about ministering to people in need, not only in their physical need, but also their spiritual need. And the reason why she's so passionate is because she has sat on both sides of the table. She has been herself. Uh, someone who has needed to receive the, the grace and the care that the food pantry provides, and now she's dedicated as a volunteer to extending that kind of grace to other people. Uh, Bobby said recently, a lot of people uh, that come to the pantry ask us to pray with them because they're ill now and they just can't work. Uh, or they're looking for a job because they want to earn their way in life. They don't want everything just to be given to them. But some of them are struggling so much right now. They've lost their jobs. They're struggling with depression. Others of us are asking us to pray for their families. Serving at the food pantry has changed me, Bobby said. I've grown a lot closer to my Savior and to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, she says, I found, nudges you and shows you opportunity to give, and then he just keeps on giving you the capacity to be generous. Um, I just love Bobby's spirit. I've known her for many years myself and think of her as one of the great disciples in this church's life. And I wanna think with you this morning about the possibility of more of us joining uh, Bobby in the effort that she's making to be a creative presence in this particular time. There are several ways we can do that and help address the needs of our neighbors. Uh, first of all, uh, you might consider serving yourself at our monthly food pantry. Uh, you can go online and sign up to be part of this venture. Uh, it's a very easy way to just uh, enter into some wonderful new relationships with some marvelous people that are our clients at the food pantry or who are volunteering there. Secondly, you can continue to donate food and essential supplies. You can find information on your screen about how to do that. Uh, there's a continuing need and it will make a very concrete difference, not just for those who come to our food pantry, but also for uh, two of the mission partners that we support who are aided through the resources of our food pantry. One that works uh, amongst uh, uh, women who have unplanned pregnancies and, uh, and in another case through the organization Reclaim 13 that works with human trafficking victims in our region. Uh, finally, you can also participate uh, in the offering we're about to take up. Uh, this offering is one of the ways that we fund the kind of ministries that Bobby loves and that uh, we all care about in the wider world. Uh, it's through your offerings that we can produce these worship services and continue to support some 80 uh, mission partners domestically and, and globally. So you can give online, you can give through uh, texting to give, you can send in a check, uh, you can uh, drop a, a, a one of your, your gift by the church uh, building, either at our Butterfield campus or at our Oak Brook campus. Uh, and in all of these ways, you can be part of being a conduit of God's generous love towards people who really value that love. So join with me today. Let's join our hearts with Bobby's and with Christ's heart as we present now our offerings to him. How great the chasm 
friends how great is that I know that we're living in a season of time when a lot of us are are needing to feel that hope in a deeper way than ever before 
And if you are following your news feeds these days, you're deeply aware of just how broken uh, the life of our country is in a whole variety of ways and, and how much we need perspective in these times, how much we need God's guidance to know what it looks like to act in a creative and a redemptive way. Uh, we're going to have an opportunity this morning to reflect on that. If you've been a person troubled by the looting you've seen in the city, if you've been heartbroken by the violence, if you have been upset by the invectives that get thrown back and forth, you're already aware, perhaps, that there is not a quick fix to these problems. There's not one silver bullet. This uh, time that we're living through has been brought about by a web of histories and policies and practices that are going to need to be addressed from multiple angles and from many parts of the circle of American life. Uh, the person that is going to come and stand here in just a moment and share the gospel message with us has immersed himself in the realities that we're facing like few people I know. Since the early 1970s, the Reverend Dr. Wayne Gordon and his wife Anne have been immersed in the life of the Lawndale community in near West Chicago. They were students at Wheaton College. God gave them a vision for being part of his work in the life of our cities. And they moved into that community. And soon thereafter, founded in 1978, the Lawndale Community Church, now known as one of the nation's premier examples of creative living in the midst of difficult places. Over the years, 40 years plus now, uh, Wayne and Anne and their colleagues at that church have led a movement in the life of that community, not just drawing thousands of people into a personal relationship with Jesus and a regular worshiping life together, but taking out that gospel message into the streets. They have helped hundreds of people become homeowners for the first time. They have helped the flourishing of businesses in the community. They have started schools. They've been involved in, in birthing nonprofit ministries that are reaching people at various places of need. The Lawndale Community Church started a health center that serves 150,000 cases every single year, 1,000 people a day are finding the touch of Jesus through that ministry alone. For many, many years, they have been uh, cherished friends, as you'll hear, of this congregation's life. The founding pastor of Christ Church, Arthur de Kreiter, uh, counted uh, Wayne and Anna as among his very best friends, and I have been gifted by the chance to have that kind of relationship, too. Uh, Dr. Uh, Wayne Gordon is also the chairman of the Christian Community Development Association, an international network of believers committed to bringing hope to communities and cities in a comprehensive way. He is a member of the board and a professor at Northern Theological Seminary, and he is a person that I look up to and learn from uh, every single year. I hope you will uh, open your hearts to what Wayne has to share with us today. He is going to shake us by the lapels. He is going to challenge and stretch our thinking because he cares more than anything else that we have the heart of Jesus that cares for our country and knows the role we can play uh, in God's work at this time. Would you join me in giving a warm welcome to the Reverend Dr. Wayne Gordon.
Thanksgiving morning, 1983, the Chicago Tribune had on the front page of the Tempo section a picture of my wife Ann and myself and two young high school students with the idea that we were, had a dream to build a medical clinic and a gym on Ogden Avenue in North Lawndale. Now, nobody thought that could ever happen, but yet there was a dream and they wrote about it. About shortly thereafter, I found myself sitting and eating a Big Mac at the McDonald's just south here on York Road with Ed Rose, who was then the head of the missions committee here at Christ Church of Oak Brook. And one of the things he said to me, we're talking, and we had just been in Dr. DeCryder's office. And I'm a young kid, don't know what I'm doing, and he says to me, Ed Rose says to me, he says, he says man, you got raked over the coals in there today. It's like, this was my test to see if, if we would pass the muster to be able to be on uh, uh, the mission support of Christ Church of Oakbrook. Well, fortunately, I did pass. It was difficult. It was a little bit hard. But that began to forge a relationship. And so from since 1983, Christ Church of Oakbrook and Lawndale Community Church have been partners in ministry. We have tackled many things together over the course of these years. We've looked at a lot of hard situations. We've had honesty and integrity. We've disagreed and yet we've looked forward to the good news of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now, Dr. DeCryder then and I became, became close friends, and, and, and he became a confidant. He became an advisor. He became a help to help us do things. Often, he, I didn't know what I was doing, you know, and I, unbelievably, I still don't know what I'm doing. But anyway, sometimes people come alongside and help. Dr. DeCryder came to Lawndale many times. Many people. At that time, North Lawndale was the 15th poorest neighborhood in America. Many people were afraid to even come into North Lawndale. But Dr. DeCryder, his wife Gladys, came to visit us in Lawndale frequently. As a matter of fact, every time he would come, something changed. And that was a beautiful thing because his heart was so wonderful. And that one time he came and all of a sudden we had money coming in from Christ Church to hire a youth pastor because at that time I was a senior pastor and the youth pastor. Then another time we didn't have a truck, a pickup truck to do anything. Uh, two weeks later, a pickup truck showed up as a gift from Christ Church of Oakbrook. In fact, one of your trustees said to me, he said, Coach, you know what? We got to have, Dr. DeCryder cannot come to Lawndale and visit you anymore. It's going to break us at Christ Church. But, you know, that's, that's the kind of relationship, real, true integrity and relationships together. Now, when Dr. DeCryder retired, I assumed that, you know, our relationship with Christ Church would probably end, or it would certainly be different. But it wasn't long after Dr. Dan Meyer became the pastor here that I got a phone call personally from him and said, I'd like to come to Lawndale and have lunch with you. By this time, we've opened a Lou Melnati's restaurant on the corner of Springfield and Ogden Avenue. He came and we had lunch together, and that began to forge a new relationship. One that has been deep in crisis and struggle, and that Dan and I have been friends and we became friends. And of course, way more, we were peers together, but yet Dan too has become a trusted advisor and a true encourager. Dan the pictured on the screen is, of course, when Dan, uh, when we had our 30th anniversary as a church, we asked Dan to be. He was the only outsider to speak, and he spoke 
on behalf of the Suburban Church and our partnership at our 30-year anniversary. Just this past July, just a few weeks ago, Dan preached at Lawndale Community Church. And we were, looking for, we were looking for a voice, and it was our summer voices of outside folks, similar to what you have. And one of the things that we did is that we had a, we had a Native American preach, we had a African American woman preach, we also had an Asian American preach, but we wanted a white person to come and talk about these struggles and these hard times that we're facing. And it was clear without any doubt that Dan Meyer was our first choice and Dan so graciously did and our people received Dan with such wonder and with such graciousness and they loved him in fact many of them told me how appreciated they did how appreciative they were of Dan and his candor and his honesty as a white man talking about the racial tension in America and how a white suburban pastor could speak so passionately about that and to speak at it. You have a great pastor here at Christ Church of Oak Brook and we thank God for him and I'm so thankful for him in all the ways that we do. I love Christ Church of Oak Brook. And Lawndale Community Church loves you. There are so many ways. I, I would take the rest of our time today, plus more, if I told you all the different partnerships that we have. Flowers are being planted. Dave and Karen Bure and, and uh, many of their friends have come in on a regular basis and helped us to, to plant flowers. And so the flowers, uh, drive down Ogden Avenue from Pulaski down to, to uh, Hamlin, and you'll see flowers everywhere. Christ Church of Oak Brook has planted them. Many of you, there may be some of you that have been, I can't see you very well here. I know a few of you, but many of you online probably, but you know, have come to help us with that. And so many other ways and the friendships that have been for. If I started to name names, I would miss so many people because there are so many deep friendships that have come out of our relationship. And this is a true partnership. As a matter of fact, the White House, when George Bush was president, uh, George W. Bush was president of the United States, the White House called me one day and they said, we want to we talk about urban-suburban partnership. And they assumed that I would want to talk about a relationship we had with a large nationally famous church and they said and they start talking about it, and I said well wait 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 hold on a minute I said do you really do you just want me to talk about our relationship with this church or do you want me to talk about true partnership that we have oh we want true partnership I said well it's not that church we do some things with them but the true partnership in ministry is with Christ Church of Oak Brook and so President Bush in a speech I think it was in Memphis mentioned our relationship together and how we are doing it. So I'm here with that in mind today. You know what, you're my family, I'm your family, and I'm gonna have a family talk with you today. You know, right now is hard. This is a hard time. The coronavirus, of course, just has, has dev- I, I don't know about you, but I have several friends that have died of the coronavirus. We've lost, I've preached some funerals of people who have died during the coronavirus. This is hard. I've known many people that have been sick. And it's hard in our community. And then on top of that, the George Floyd incident, if I can call it that, has exposed some, some pain and, is supposed, and, and, and has, has exposed some evil in our world and in our own society here in America. It's exposed some problems with policies and with with racism in our country. But we need each other now more than we ever have. Lawndale Community Church needs Christ Church of Oak Brook now more than we did 10 years ago or 20 years ago. We need this and we need each other. 
I'm going to say some hard things today, some that you may not understand, some that if we sat down in dialogue face-to-face and talked about, I might be able to help you. I'm a a very, very broken vessel. And my my words to you today very likely won't, won't be the articulate word that you need. But if we could sit down and dialogue about some of these things, I think we probably would be on the same page most of the time. But this is hard. We live in a hard moment in our history. We are all one race, but we don't live like we are. We've allowed others to determine. Race is, there's no such thing as various races. There is one race. John Perkins wrote the book called One Blood. We are all one. Genesis chapter one says, so God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created us male and female. God did not make a lot of races. Now there are ethnicities, but there's only one race. It doesn't matter. When you're sick in the hospital, you don't say I want blood from a white person you just say I need some blood and you can take it from any quote unquote race racism is a construct and it's a construct to basically keep another group of people down we saw it in World War II with Hitler and that Hitler was saying the Aryan race was better than Jewish people and so the Holocaust took place We've seen it happen in America with a group of people that stole the land of the people who lived here we've seen it In fact, Native Americans in our own Declaration of Independence are called merciless native savages. Who was the savage there? Who came in and stole somebody's land? Well, we've got got some issues. All right, I see some of you in the live comment. Okay, coach, you know. I I, I said we're going to be honest today. And, you know, I might come off I'm mad. I'm not mad at you. Please, I love you. And I love the dialogue that we can have. But I, 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 I don't think I'm here to tickle your ears today. I want to talk seriously about some of these things. Unfortunately, white Europeans, not you, I'm talking hundreds of years ago. You know, there's an old saying that you probably heard in your history, that the flag never sets I mean, the sun never sets on the British flag. And, and, and people from England, they, they think that's something very, very special. I think that's a tragedy. To think that colonization, European colonization of the world, of which America is just one of those colonies, the colonization of the world, that Europeans thought they could go to any other piece of land and take that land over and colonize it and put it on Kenya, that's a good friend of mine. Kenya did not get its freedom from England until 1964. This was not a good thing. What would, you, what would it be like for you if I come to your house, you've lived there 25 years right now, I come into your house and I take over your house. I had guns or whatever it would take to make it happen and I would take over your house and I said, now you can live up in the closet up on the third floor and I'm gonna live on the rest of it. See, that's what really happened in America. We have not yet even thought about that. But a group of people came over from Europe and stole the land of the people that were already here, broken over 500 treaties. No treaty with Native Americans happened. And yet we we keep going. You didn't do it. You're not responsible for that. But this is where we live. It's the reality of it. There was even a called a doctrine of discovery. You can look at that. And, and, and which gave, through the, through the church, it gave permission for people to do that. Claude Alexander, a 
wonderful African-American pastor basically said what happened is that in the embryonic fluid America was birthed out of, it was the embryonic fluid of racism. You know, in the African-American community, we have a race problem, obviously. You didn't create the problem, but you've inherited it. You know it's there. So what are we going to do about it? Well, in, in, in my neighborhood, they have a way of talking about this. They just simply say this. If you're white, you're all right. If you're brown, stick around. But if you're black, get back. The University of Chicago does a study every year on prejudice in America, and it's based on the color of our skin. The lighter your skin, the less prejudice. The darker your skin, the more prejudice there is. Now, black lives matter. The Black Lives Matter slogan has been hijacked by some people to, to, to say something about their own agenda. Forget, I want you to forget that. I want, you, I want us to focus on the phrase. The, the, the phrase black lives matter is what's so important for us to focus on and to think about today. Black lives matter. It's the statement, not the organization behind it. Black lives matter. I've posted on my Facebook page many, many times that all lives can't matter unless black lives matter. As a matter of fact, John Perkins and I wrote a book, and it's called Do All Lives Matter. The number one thing white people say is when you start talking about black lives matter and you start feeling uncomfortable, all right, you might be feeling a little bit uncomfortable right now, and that the, the number one thing white people say, and, and by the way, I am white, okay, just so you didn't know that, all right? So the number one thing we say as white people is that we say, well, all lives matter, not just black lives matter, but all lives, well, absolutely true. All lives do matter. But we don't treat some people like their lives matter. So John Perkins and I wrote this book, and it's called Do All Lives Matter? It's a question. And at the end of that, it's, the answer, of course, is yes, but we don't treat everybody like their lives matter. Now, as a gift to you today, when you walk out of here, we have a gift. I'm giving, I want to give this to every one of you today. It's, it's, it's a, it's a two-hour read. If you buy the oral edition, it's a two-hour oral reading. It's, it's about 70 pages. You can read it in two hours. But it, well, it's, it's the beginning thing to get you started on this journey. And that's what I'm hoping for today. That we can. And so I have a gift for you. Those of you that are watching online, I want to give the book to you too. And, and all you have to do is just email me at coach23 at lawndalechurch.org. Coach23, lawndalechurch.org. In fact, if you want to talk about this message, if you want to challenge me on something I've said, please go ahead, email me at coach23, lawndalechurch.org. That's the, that, and that, that, that email, I only deal with racial issues. It's not my general email. So th that's, that's what we want to talk about. In fact, in the Bible, it even says in Galatians uh, 3, 28, it says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave or free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus.
You see, Paul says it like that. We tend to divide people up. There's something about the human nature and sin nature that we, that we separate ourselves. But Paul says in the body of Christ, there's only one, that we are all one in Christ Jesus. Christ Church of Oak Brook, Lawndale Community Church, we are one in Christ Jesus. There's neither Jew or Gentile. That's the race issue. That's the ethnicity. No, we're one. The slave or free, that's economic. That's, that's our social status. That's our education, educated and uneducated. And then male or female that's our gender as a matter of fact Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and he talks about the body of Christ and where he talks about the body of Christ in verse 25 and 26 he says so there should be no division in the body we 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 as the church we got to stand up for this we ought to be leading the world to how to do this people always say that the church is the most segregated part of America well that may be true But that doesn't have to be true. But we need to be a part of this. But when one one part suffers, we all suffer with them. See, we all suffered. George Floyd was down there, and a knee was in his neck. And we watched that. It was painful to watch. It was hard. We actually witnessed a murder on TV. Real time if you happen to be there filming on a cell phone that's hard stuff that's hard stuff and so ccob and lawndale community church we need each other we need you we're in this together we're in it together it's it's not just a black people problem in america it's a white people problem And blacks are not going to be able to solve this on their own. We need white people to join in to make a difference in this. We need too many white people still think that the color of your skin determines who you are. No, we need each other. So what I hope to do today is give some practical helps. And and, and I'm I'm going to have to rush through this, of course, but these are kind of the get started. Oh, would I love to come out another time and sit down in a room when when we could be together and we could have dialogue. And, 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 you know, once you can come and visit us in Lawndale, we can have dialogue together. we got to have some dialogue. But, you know, Zacchaeus in the Bible is is somebody that's amazing. And you all know the story of Zacchaeus. So, you know, he's a little short guy. Jesus is coming to town. And so when Jesus is coming to town, he can't see him. So what does he do? He climbs up in a tree and when he climbs up in the tree Jesus comes by Jesus stops and says hey Zacchaeus come on down I'm coming to your house today he goes over to Zacchaeus's house what did the people do it says there that Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector that means he was in charge of all the tax collectors and tax collectors were known to cheat the people that's how they made their living he's the chief tax he was in charge of all of them and then it says he was wealthy see cheating other people got him wealth now all the people are, are judging Jesus and say, man, what's wrong with Jesus? He goes to see them. He goes to see Zacchaeus. He's eating with sinners. But we see in Zacchaeus something phenomenal happens. Zacchaeus became a Christ follower. He committed his life to following Jesus Christ. And what happened then is that when you follow Christ, your life changes. And he had a changed life. And his changed life was very simple. First, he looks at Jesus and he says, you know what? Half of everything I have, I'm going to give to the poor. 
half. And the second thing is that if I've cheated anybody, anybody I've cheated, I'm going to give them four times what I stole from them, what I cheated them out of. I mean, black people in America have been cheated out of a lot. Do you know black people, black slaves built the White House that the President of the United States lives in and didn't get paid a penny to do it? We could go on and on and I could give you examples of this. But Zacchaeus had a changed life. So, some quick practical suggestions. Avoid the T's. These all start with the word T. I want you to avoid these things. All right, first one is tokenism. You know what, we, uh, we, don't, need, we don't need a token. You know, that, we often talk about a, one black person working in an office is a token. On a board of directors, a token. Singing in the, singing in the praise team, a token. We, can, we all have what we call tokens that we, that we, wanna, we wanna make a show of what's happening without the reality of that's in the back and the difficulty of it. So tokenism, a little here, a little there, a little time, yeah, but that still doesn't solve things. And the other one is tourism. You know, it seems like everybody wants to come and see how poor people live. You know, and, and, and expose your children to this so that they won't be like that. So they'll stay in school. They'll work hard, blah, blah, blah. You know, this tourism, it's so easy, but it, but it, it, but it really demeans us. I don't always know. There's something special about the African-American people at Lawndale is that many times they'll say, Coach, don't, 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 don't be a part of that. I say, why? Oh, man, I'm all excited. They say, they're not for real. They have a way of understanding of far better than I do. Tokenism. And of course, talk. I mean, talk is cheap. We got two ears, one mouth. We got to listen twice as much as we quit. You don't need to talk about these, how you're going to solve these problems. We want to listen. You know, a couple things that people say, I already said that number one thing white people say is that all lives matter, not just black lives. You know, that really, when you say that phrase in front of a black person, I just want to let you know, that really demeans them. It really, of course we know all lives matter. You don't need to say that. Do you ever have to stand up? Do you tell your kids, hey, kids, when you grow up, just remember you know white lives matter. No, they, you grow up in America knowing that. But growing up in America black, you don't know that. The other one is I'm not a racist. I'm not a racist. That's the first thing people, when you start talking about race, we hear people talk about that. I'm not a racist. Well, wait a minute. If you have to tell me you're not a racist, there's a very good chance you are a racist. Hello. If you're saying that, you've got to go a little bit deeper inside of you. You know, and, and uh, one of the things that we, that we see here is that Kendi, in, in his, uh, we talk about tolerance, but Kendi in his book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, he, he talks about, there's this new term of talking about it, which is being not just not a racist, but be against racism. And m- usually that's about policy. Kendi, an African-American man, this book has been on the number one in the Amazon bestseller list. It's one, two, or three most of the time recently. I'm glad people are buying it. But he, he's an African-American writing this, and basically he even says that he has racism in him. Instead of saying I'm not a racist, just say I know I have some racism in me. That would be a good thing to say. And so we, we talk about that. And then, of course, tolerance. Tolerance, when we just tolerate other people, what that ends up being often is just kind of a... Uh, it, it's patronizing, is all it is. 
It's being paternalistic. How to be an anti-racist. If you want to go and see about this, you know, one of the things, that we, on our website at, at Lawndale, we have, we have how to be an anti-racist. You just go to lawndalechurch.org and it will come up. There's three 15-minute talks, one by Carrie Casey, two for me, about how, to, how as white people we can make a difference. You know, and, and some sermons. I preached three sermons on Black Lives Matter at Lawndale. Biblically based. You might listen to those. You know, you, you could see other helps. You want to you be a part of this. Just coach23 at lawndalechurch.org. I have a little newsletter I send out, you know, four or five times a month. Not a lot. I have a book. I have some books that you can read. Christchurch has a website that you can go and, and get some helps even from the Christchurch. But we've got to make a difference in this. Let's look at the eyes. Let's practice the eyes. The first one that we practice with the eyes is that uh, we want to be involved. You know, we've got to get involved. We've got to get involved. It's tough. And our involvement comes in various places. And we, 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 one of the ways that we get involved is by reading, and one of the ways that we get involved is by, by, by doing some dialogue thinking about it, talking about it, seeing what we can do. We've, we must get involved. We need you. We need you to be involved in this. And that's to say it's not my problem. No, it's not your problem. You didn't create the problem, but you live with it. An American, we've got a problem. It's hard. It's hard to be black in America. Every black person you can talk with will tell you a story of when it's been hard. Not because of who they are, but because of the color of their skin. The, the other thing we, we, we want to do is we want to have integrity. You know, we need integrity. Integrity means being honest. It means that we can sit down and talk honestly. We can, we can have dialogue. We can see things differently. That's hard to do right now. Our Congress is so polarized. Our political system is so polarized. It's hard to see things two ways and have dialogue. We've got to come back to that. Civility has got to come back to who we are. We've got to have some discussion. But being black in America is hard. But you, you, to have integrity is to listen to those stories and to begin to read and see what it is we had a, a junior in high school this come up to his mom just a few days a few weeks ago and said mom what have we ever done to white people that they hate us so much feeling hated a young african-american boy who's been to church every sunday of his life a mother in our church who started coming in junior high and now is in her 40s came in to and talked to me one day and she said you know what I didn't know white people hated me. I didn't know white people didn't like me simply because of the color of my skin. This is hard. It's not easy. It's difficult. The next is influence. Use your influence. Use your influence to make a difference in the lives of others. You know, a, a man told me the other day, and I've had lots of t stories and lots of talks with people, but a man told me the other day that 10 years ago, he thought, you know, I, I, know, I own a company and I hire quite a few people. I, need to, I don't have any black people working for me. I need to hire a black person. So he hired a black person. Six months later, it wasn't working out, and the black person was fired. He said, Coach, I'm, I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but I've never hired another black person. And then he looked at me. I didn't tell him anything. He looked at me and says, I think I should probably try to hire some other African-American people. Yeah, not judge 
everybody by this one guy that didn't work out right. See, that using our influence in, in, uh, in chapter 11 of Do All, in, in chapter 8 of Do All Lives Matter, John and, John and I have 11 suggestions of what you can do to get involved and to be practical and to use your influence. One of them is invite some people over to your house, people that you feel safe with, people that you know you can be honest with. People that are like you for the most part. And invite six or eight of them and watch, watch a movie together such as 12 Years a Slave. And after you get done watching it, then talk about it. Have a, how did you feel? What was going on in your mind when this was happening? You begin to talk about those things. Discuss your feelings. The next one is invest. Zacchaeus is a great example. When he was converted, he gave half of his wealth how many of us have all these retirement plans, all this money in the bank? What would it be like if we actually, could you live on what you have if you cut it in half? Most of us probably could. Well, we maybe couldn't have all that we have, but what's important? You know, the billionaires have got it. Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, they started a billionaire's club. You've probably heard of it. It's been on 60 Minutes and many things. A billionaire's club is what it's all about, is that if you're a billionaire, if you've got to, to join the club, you've got to give half of your wealth away. So if I'm a billionaire, I've got to give 500 million of my wealth away. Yes, absolutely. Now, if I was a billionaire, I think I could still live on $500 million. I don't know about you. I could do it. Well, I don't know where it is for you. I think Zacchaeus was listening to Jesus. For you, it may not be half, but it might be significant. Not tokenism again. We've actually created a fund at Lawndale. We're trying to put together our first year $10 million, and we're hoping to get up to $100 million in a couple years to really help. We're trying to help establish African-American-owned businesses. We're trying to help existing African-American-owned business, and we're trying to help African-Americans be involved in the real estate. Do you know that no African-American owns any building in downtown Chicago? Zero. Ebony Building used to be owned by the Johnsons, and they sold it. So right now on Michigan Avenue, there's no building owned by an African-American. That in itself ought to say we got a problem. So how do we begin to do that? Invest. You know, if you're interested in that, you know, if you're interested in, 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 in Coach23, LawndaleChurch.org. Any other things that you want to talk about, we want to talk to these things about you. And last but not token, I would, if I just said tokenism doesn't count, is intercession. We need your prayers. I mean, I, I could tell you how many times, you know, you hear about the violence in Chicago. I mean, we've had a lot of violence in my neighborhood. I've had, where Ann and I live, I, I mean, I got an unbelievable wife. I wish you could know my wife. She's lived there with me. We've been married 43 years living in North Lawndale. We've had 10 people on our block murdered in the last 10 years. I mean, we had a, we had a young man three years ago, shot and killed in the front of our church, right outside of our church. And you don't know about it. Why? Because it never made any of the newscasts in Chicago. It wasn't in any of the papers. I mean, wh what kind of community do we live in that an African-American kid is shot and killed and it doesn't make the news in front of a church? 
For a year, I cried every morning when I woke up. I literally did. About the lives of those that are being taken. And we are working hard at our church to make a difference. And I know you, you probably feel helpless. You throw up your hands. But we need to pray. Every Wednesday, I fast and pray for the violence to stop in North Lawndale and in neighborhoods like that. We need your prayers. We need your prayers. And you know what? We can make a difference. We're in this together. Christ Church of Oak Brook, Lawndale Community Church. We're partners for life. At least you're going to be a partner with Lawndale until I die and Dan dies. When we're gone, then you can decide for yourselves. But that's what it is. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, these are hard days. Thank you for the people that are online that are listening. And thank you for the people who are present here. But Lord, I thank you for the, for the hundreds of good, caring people of Christ Church of Oak Brook. Whether they're listening or anybody else that stumbled on this, Lord, thank you for that. We need each other. Oh, I need you, Lord, but I need my friends at Christ Church of Oak Brook to help with all the things that we're doing. So, Lord, we, we ask you to help us. We ask for your blessing. We thank you. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's go and make an impact together. you to receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. But not only his peace, his heart for the human race
for our brothers and sisters. May he make you an ambassador of his kingdom and me an ambassador of that great kingdom wherever we go and until we meet again and forevermore. Amen.